0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Hey, like Justin said, uh, today is our final week. We've been doing six weeks of a combined series where we're trying to talk about Some of the things that God has been doing and is doing and will be doing or uh, like the last two years and now into the flow. And we've talked about how we as a church want to continue to grow in following Jesus. When Jesus came and said, it all comes down to this, he invited them to follow him. And then right before he went back to the Father, he said, now I want you to do the same. You've followed me, now I want you to make disciples. You've become my disciples, now I want you to make disciples. And so the trajectory of our church, we want to be about making disciples who make disciples. Not just some sort of like machine, right? That we're all cogs, that we're a part of it. But as sons and daughters of the King, Jesus invites us to follow Him, invites us to know our identity in Him, and pass that on to people. And we do it, we do it first by being able to hear from God, both in His Word and the Spirit who is active today, illuminating what He's already said, speaking with one voice of integrity and like taking the words off the page and planting them in our hearts. We want to be people, we want to be a church filled with people who know what it is to hear personally from God, consistent with the Bible, and walk it out in their life. We want to walk in this discipleship that's at the same time both high invitation, like high relationship. Jesus invites us into relationship and also gives him permission to push us. And get, uh, gives him permission to push us further than we thought we could go, but says, I believe in you. I've put this in you. I know that you can do it. And he challenges us and he opens up. So like Lana's an experience or an example of this saying, I was hiding for a long time and she was challenged to open up. And the freedom that that has brought has been good for her. It's been good for others around her, and she just gets to pass that on. That's a challenge that I want to walk right into, all right? And we've talked about three relationships that every follower of Jesus needs in their life, that uh, we need up relationship with the Father. We need up relationship with God through the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to know what it is to walk in a vital, life-giving relationship up. We need each other. God wired us to have relationships in with each other, in true community where we can be known and we can be loved and where we know and where we love. And we lean in so much that it feels like family. And then we need relationships out. That Jesus, everywhere he went, looked at people and he had eyes of compassion. And we want our eyes changed to see people the way Jesus did. To see people the way the Father still looks at people with affection and a desire for them to come Close and not just like he's a God and you come to me, but he, like so affectionate that he would come to us, right? We want to be able to see that and we want to have the eyes that we would look out to people and reach out com- with compassion. And today, today I'm really simply calling we the church. We the church. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to smack into some of the things that I think. Um, some of the mistakes maybe that we've made as a church not just we uh, damascus road but the church at large in elevating some people and diminishing others and uh, to be able to have a, an open and honest conversation about we the church to see what jesus has planted within every one of us where we need every one of us active to be the full and functioning church like god has designed so as we get into this Uh, One of the things that we've been able to do over the course of these six weeks is invite people up to just share what God has been doing uh, in our lives, um, what he's been speaking to us, how we've been responding, and I want to invite Shelby up. Shelby has uh, been somebody that I've got to see grow in incredible ways over the course of the last two years, and sometimes even more than she recognizes um, or is ready for, but Shelby... Uh, Shelby's got great stuff I can't wait for you to hear from her I'm gonna grab this guy thanks for jumping up kind of like Jess Shelby's not super excited about uh, being up in front of people Um, but I love the courage and I'm thankful for you
1: hi I'm Shelby Um, yeah I've been doing some discipleship training with some folks in our church for the last year and I don't like public speaking but here I am but, yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of share some stuff that God's been doing over the past year and uh, take this opportunity to do something I don't usually do, which is be here. Um, so I want to ask a question. Who likes personality tests? Does anyone like them? Okay. Anyone not like them? Okay. Yep. I feel like I like personality tests as a tool, but I don't like my results. I don't like them. Like I remember at work I took a strengths finder test, has anyone taken that? And I got all these results and I'm like, oh, these are so useless. <laughs> like, I got empathy. And I was like, you, that's gonna make me a lot of money. <laughs> no. So, I don't know, I, I struggle, I struggle with like my identity, I guess, and something I struggle with is comparison. And I just wanted to share something really vulnerable that recently happened um, and tie it into kind of what I've been learning this year. So, yeah, I started with the personality testing because, yeah, I struggle with comparison. I look around at, like, all these other Christians and people that are, like, effective and starting ministries and, like, traveling, and I'm like, ugh, I'm having babies and working a job that's, like, fulfilling but not that exciting, and I'm not, like, I'm not doing all these things. And, yeah, I think I I just was really getting down on myself. Like, oh, like, I'm not effective. I'm not a good Christian. I'm not doing these things. And I feel like this past year, God has really met me in that place of, like, vulnerability and, you know, kind of, like, not liking who I am and comparing myself. And I feel like he's been really faithful in meeting me um, where I'm at and, like, in this place of, like, comparing myself to others And struggling through that, I feel like he's really shown me, like, like he made me who I am for a reason. And he's also put me where I am for a reason. So one thing that's been really encouraging is just um, this idea that I can be sent where I am. So having, like, a missional perspective, even just, like, in my neighborhood, has been so encouraging. Um, Just, like, being more intentional to get to know my neighbors and realize that even though it's not, like, doesn't look the same way that someone else's ministry does. This is still, like, God at work. This is still, like, the kingdom coming. So even just taking time to, like, talk to my neighbors and, like, get to know their kids. Um, I have a heart for, like, education, and I realize that I don't have the capacity or time to, like, go to, like, school board meetings right now or, like, change policies, but I have time to get to know my neighbors and their kids who are gonna be in my son's class, like, in three years or whatever. So I just feel like since God has helped me shift my perspective of like what a missionary is or what an effective Christian is, I feel like he's really met me where I'm at. And it's really empowered me to uh, like listen to him and hear from him and be faithful even in these small things like go talk to your neighbor or like uh, go play in your front yard so your neighbors see you and can like come and hang out. So I feel like just being more open to like being used where I'm at has been really encouraging and um, I feel like I don't know the name of our church Damascus Road um, in the book of Acts it's a collection of stories of individual people hearing from God and then like responding going out and furthering the gospel and I'm just encouraged by that like it's a collection of individual stories and so for me that's encouraging um, and I want to encourage you guys like, we're all individ- we are all have our individual stories. God is leading each of us, but these stories come together to further the gospel, to further the church. And what does that look like for you? What does that look like in your neighborhood? Um, you know, what does it look like if you have the capacity to do something big or just be faithful in the small things? So I just want to encourage you guys with that. And that's all. Mm-hmm.
0: The first time Shelby uh, was talking about her strength finder said, I got this dumb one, empathy, as number one. I was like, oh, that's my number one, too. (laughs) And I actually had a similar response when I first took it, uh, where I was like, useless, useless, useless. Oh, I can do something with that one. And it really helped when somebody unpacked it and said, that is the wrong way to think about those. Like, that makes you, you. And the ability that you have to see different things is really valuable. You see things that other people don't because of what God put in you. And so um, I love that. I love, I love the ways that Shelby has been growing, and I love the challenge that she's putting on you to just live where you are. Live sent where you are. Go out where you are. You don't have to come up and, like, make all sorts of super spiritual uh, really, hero Christian kind of stuff like go out where you are, right? Today we're going to continue uh, stuff like that. Shelby has been sharing, calling it "we the church," and we're going to we're going to dive deep into Ephesians. Um, so, in chapter three of Ephesians. I'm not going to put this up. We're just going to kind of, this is the preamble to what we're getting at today. In chapter 3, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every Father in heaven and on earth derives its name. Like we get our name from the Father. That he would grant you, and he's speaking to a church. So it's as if we could receive this today, right? Paul is writing uh, to a church. So let's uh, put our shoes in the shoes of the Ephesians. That he would grant you, us, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, not to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, Paul says, I'm praying for you. Paul says, I'm praying for you, for them, that they would be strengthened with power, that Christ may dwell in their hearts, that they, as a church, uh, both where they were and throughout all time and throughout all places would know the love of God. That the church would know the love of God. It was a thing back then, just like it's a thing now today. We in the church sometimes skip past the love of God. And Paul says, I want you to know it. And I'm praying that you would know it. And finally, he says that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. He's continuing to pray these things for that church. And he finishes with, our God is able to do Even more than we imagine. Even more than we think. Even more than we could dream up. Our God is able to do it. God be praised. Amen. And then he goes into chapter 4. And that's what we're going to read today. Let's just take a moment to pray, to quiet ourselves, open this up, um, and hear from God. Father, we desire to be people of your word. We love that you have spoken. We love that this is written down what you want us to hear from you. We pray that you would help us be receptive, even as the Holy Spirit works right now to bring the words off the page, to speak to our hearts, our souls, and our spirits, that you would uh, give us the gift to be able to receive this and live it out. Make us discerning, make us humble. Help us to hear from you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians 4, coming out of the New American Standard. And the New American Standard, uh, just a little bit about translations. Some of them are called dynamic translations. You'll get that with like the New Living. They want to take an idea, uh, one idea from the original language and put it into an idea. And so it flows more. It's in more contemporary language. You can read it. Much easier, and it's a good translation. And then there are other translations which seek intentionally to go more word for word. Okay, the Greek says this, and we're going to translate it uh, just straight into the Greek. And it doesn't flow as well, but you can. It's sometimes better for study in that you say, "What was that word that they were using?" And, and "And what was the context?" And we can do it. The New American Standard leans way over here on a word for word, and I love it because we can see some of the what Paul keeps going back to over and over and over today in this message. So Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, remember where he's come from, right? I'm praying for you. I want you to grow up into all the, fulfill, all the fullness that Jesus has for you as individuals, as a church, and God can do it. God can do more than you can even imagine. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Does Paul have a repetition going on? What's the key word in this first paragraph? One, right? God is one. God calls us to be one, right? And we have this unity. He's calling us into unity. We're called to live in peace together because there's one body. That's us. One spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. We are called to be one. And he addresses us as one whole body, but then he switches a little bit and he moves to the individual. In verse 7, he says, but to each one, so we are one, but to each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, a captive, of ho- he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. To each one, grace was given. Now, Paul isn't specifically speaking about salvation here. Like, Jesus came to die, and we receive grace and forgiveness for our sins. That's all true. Paul uh, talks about that. He loves it. He believes it. He, he pours that out. But here, he's speaking about grace in a little bit different uh, facet, as if he turned the diamond of grace, and another side of it is shining right now. And the area of grace that he's pointing out right now is in verse 8 when he says he gave gifts to men okay? and that's I don't believe restrictive to like the men here he gave gifts to mankind he gave gifts to people he gave gifts grace shows up in the gifts okay? grace is an embodiment is embodied in the gifts to each one so if you have a church with 200 people how many people is Paul talking about right now With the phrase to each one 200 right don't skip over that he didn't just say to a few to a select few really cool leaders to each one to each one what he says to each one grace and again we could call it ministry he gave gifts So that we could be ministers, he gave gifts. And what kind of gifts? Verse eleven, Paul's got this parenthetical phrase that we're not—we're just going to kind of skip over. He does these add things one at a time. He's like, "Oh, there's a bird. Let me talk about that," and then he gets back to it. Okay. So, Paul gets back to it in verse eleven. To each one he's given grace; they show up in the gifts, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers." Now, a lot of people over the years have looked at this passage and they've said, we think that he's talking about the offices within the church. Therefore, apostle is an office. And we've gone on to say, as an office, uh, we don't have apostles anymore. The apostles were eyewitnesses of Jesus. They had a period of time where they walked, where they did their thing. It was kind of sealed. Paul, he talks all the time about him being an apostle, um, but that was then, and it's not any longer. And the prophets kind of get the same deal. Like the prophet in the Old Testament had a, thus saith the Lord, and if they were wrong, they were killed, and if they were right, uh, they were often lonely. Okay? In the New Testament, <laughs> that's true. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet for a reason. People wouldn't listen. In the New Testament, prophets take a little bit different look. Uh, And we'll talk about it today. But again, when we look at it as the offices, uh, we tend to seal that up and say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not for today. Evangelists sort of get the same deal. And the church largely today, especially in the West here, focuses on a church that really highly utilizes the pastors and the teachers. And we'll talk about what that looks like. Uh, But we've kind of said, of these five, we're going to say two of them are active today. I think we have greater freedom when we back up and we say, we're not holding these to offices. We're holding these as gifts of grace in ministry to each one, right? He's not saying each one gets all, right? He doesn't say you're all apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He said some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, And then he answers the, well, so why is he doing that? We could say, Jesus, why are you giving grace? Why are you doing that? And in verse 12, it says, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, if you take these as offices, what's often been done in the church is to say, my job as your pastor is to equip you for ministry. The paid staff, the pastor's job, is to equip the rest of the church for ministry. If we back off the offices thing, I really don't think that's what he's saying. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I could be off, but I really don't think that's what he's saying. When he says to each one, he's given these gifts, some this, some this, some this, some this, some this. And now remember, if you're talking to a church of 200, how many is he talking to? 200. He's saying, I've given to you to equip the church so that we could reach the fullness that God has given us. He's embedded it within us. That means you, your job, is to be who God made you to be, to bless others, to equip the church, to show the church what it is that God has given grace and ministry. Jesus, by the gift of grace, has empowered and equipped each of us for service. That means you, and you, and you, and me, and you, each of us. So if we're going to understand the gifts that Jesus gave us, like to each one he gave these, let's look a little bit deeper. Verse 11 says, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Um, I want to just put a slide up for each one of these and break it down, okay? And I want to have some freedom here to go back to, here's the word, here's what it meant, here's examples of it, um, and let's see it. So apostle means one who is sent out. If we can like, Pulled back from, there were originally 12 apostles, right? Don't know what to do with Judas. Paul steps in, maybe he takes his place. There's still 12. Uh, We're going to pull back from that. See it less as an office and more as a gift. More as a wiring inside of us. So some he gave as apostles. Apostle means one who is sent out. The apostles live their lives as visionaries. Live their lives as pioneers. They push into new territory. They're constantly thinking about, how can we go take more land? How can we start this thing? They've got more dreams than they can follow up on. But they're constantly thinking, how can we take a new area? Apostles, each one of these that we'll put up, ask a different question in the life of the body of Christ, right? We are the body. We are the family. We are are the church. Each one of these ask a different question. So the apostles ask the question, Are we leading the people of God to a new place that God is leading them? Are we going out? Are we going someplace new? Are we following Jesus out, right? Apostles are always looking out. A prophet. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets. Prophet means one who hears and listens to God. And the idea is then that they would also share that. They would also be a, a voice for God. The prophet can stand back often and get a clear picture of what is happening. If you guys have ever been in the midst of a prophet, it's, it's incredible when you're in a meeting and there's all kinds of information going on and the prophet opens his voice or her voice and says, this is what I see. And you're like, mm-hmm. we could have just saved 20 minutes. But they have this ability to take uh, large amounts of information and be like, this is the point. This is what I think God wants us to see. You can tell a prophet. You can tell a prophet around you, I think, by the way people listen when they speak. Often prophets aren't loud mouths, honestly. Often prophets do a lot of listening, a lot of hearing, and then when they open their mouth, people go, oh, that. that You might be in the presence of one of these gifts as prophet if that is happening. Prophets ask the question, are the people of God hearing his voice and responding appropriately? Now, again, God isn't going to say something through a prophet that he actually hasn't said before. There's nothing new. He said it. He sealed it. It's in the scripture. What the prophet does somehow through the Holy Spirit is able to say, this thing that I said before, right now, focus on that. Right now, focus on that. It's not just coming up with whatever they ate and it's doing some indigestion thing and it's coming out crazy, right? We need to be wise and we need to be discerning and we need to continue to listen to the promptings of the spirit. And prophets have, um, it's more in their natural state of being to do that. Evangelist means one who brings the good news. Evangelists are people gatherers. They're connectors. They're like recruiters. Like, hey, you should check this thing out. You know an evangelist, um, if an evangelist has a favorite restaurant, you'll know it, right? They'll tell you. Evangelists are often good for saying that, hey, I'm looking for this place to connect. Boom, I got it for you. I know where it is. I know you need to be invited. I, wanna, I want you to come in. Evangelists are great at inviting people. And uh, they love, they love, when evangelists are operating in health, they love inviting people into Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to share Jesus. And it's not like this um, forced deal. It's just coming out of who they are naturally. Evangelist asks the question, are new people entering into God's kingdom? So the apostle says, are, are we following God into new places? And the prophet says, are we listening to God and are we responding? And the evangelist says, are new people coming in? And the pastor means uh, one who is paid to do all the work in the church. No, right? That's not the deal. A pastor is a specific word with a specific meaning, and it means shepherd, one who shepherds God's people. Pastors, in this sense, care for others. They see needs. Pastors often have tender hearts. Pastors see needs. They provide comfort. They provide encouragement. Empathy and patience are common for pastors. Pastors ask, are the people of God caring for and showing compassion for people? So not just am I doing that as a pastor, but are the people of God doing it, right? So prophets aren't the only one that hear from God, but they're constantly thinking about it and say, are, are we hearing from God? And the pastor says, are we caring for people? And the apostle says, are we going into new places? And the evangelist says, are new people coming in? Are we inviting them in? And then the teacher, the teacher means one who seeks and shares the truth. Teachers get excited about learning and explaining and applying truth. Teachers can often break up complex ideas down so that they're easy to understand. You look at uh, an anatomy map, like in a science textbook, and they're like, I got it, and now I can explain how this all flows, right? They're able to take these... Bigger concepts and break it down and say, oh, I get that. I didn't get that before, but thanks for helping me get that. That's a teacher. They ask, are the people of God immersing themselves in Scripture and living it out? They're people of the Word, constantly like, are we being faithful to Scripture? Are we living it out? Are we not just reading it and putting it back on the shelf, but are we doing what it says? Are we following Jesus? Are we living according to the Word? Now, let me ask you, Do each of those five In your mind carry a vital, a vital part of the health of the church. So that to take one out, we miss something big, right? Like if we didn't have teachers, if we didn't have people that were crazy about the word and always saying, can we back that up? Can you find that in the pages of scripture? We could get into trouble, right? And if we didn't have pastors, if we didn't have pastors, we were like, are we really caring for each other? Like, this person is struggling over here. Let's like not just keep blazing the trail. Let's attend to people where they are. And if we didn't have apostles, we could just settle. We could just stay where we are and get comfy and care for each other. And apostles are like we got to break out. We got to go. We got to do more. Not just like do more, but like God is leading us just like he led them into the promised land, constantly taking more and more land, right? I've got more for you. I've got more don't stop. Don't stop, church. I've got more for you. If we take this out, if we take any one of these out, I think we don't operate in full health and fullness like Paul is wanting us to. And if you look at your body, cuz Paul does this analogy to the body, right? Body's made up of many systems, right? You got all kinds of systems. Cardiovascular system, your nervous system, your digestive system, if one of those stops working, how do you feel? You feel ill at best, right? If your cardiovascular system stops working, it's not very long. We'll celebrate you. Sorry, that was probably inappropriate. (laughs) If one critical piece goes down, we hurt for it. And I think it's similar here. If one of these five go down is not active in the church, we are missing something for it. We get sick. If two go down, we're like wobbling. We're on life support. Three go down. Like, I don't know what you're doing anymore. And what I want when I talk about we, the church, is I want us to step up into who God has hardwired us to be. We are not the same. I am not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I am not all those things. I'm not let off, all, uh, let off the hook, right? God still calls me to go, and he still calls me to hear and respond, and he still calls me to invite more people in, and he still calls me to care, and he calls me... Uh, to teach and explain and love the truth. But I'm hardwired in a way, my primary is pastor. My secondary is teacher. You might be like, well, duh, we could see that. Or maybe that's surprising to you, right? My third is prophet, my fourth is evangelist, and uh, apostle is like way down the road at the back end. I'm not let off the hook. It's just uh, trying to operate in some of those ways takes way more energy for me than some of you guys who operate primarily out of apostle. Like you and I are compliments to each other, if that's true. We're supposed to work together. One of the gifts of grace, I think, is God didn't give anybody all of it. That's a gift of grace so that we lean in, so that we have to get around each other. We have to keep seeking God. We are not self-sufficient. We continue to work like a body does together. I love it in Romans 12, I think, when Paul says, the uh, the ear can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Like, it's just Paul's, like, taking the analogy and stretching it out. And I love that. The apostle can't say to the pastor, I don't need you. Will you quit holding us up, caring for people? Right? And the teacher can't say to the prophet, I don't need you. As if to say, God said it, it's done, we don't need to pay attention anymore. Like, we need to be in the mix together. Can you see yourself in these? As I put these up, you're like, oh, I think that's me. I think that's me. I wish I was this one, but I think that's me. Can you see other people in it? When you look around the room, when you think about people in your life, you're like, Oh, maybe that's why they talk like that. Maybe, maybe the reason we get in arguments all the time is because they're wired in this way and I'm wired in this way and God wired us both just how he wanted us to, but we're different. And if we can see and value the differences here, then we get to the good stuff. We don't have to fight. We sharpen, right? Likely one or two of these descriptions hit you. Maybe you feel at home there. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's for me. Probably when some others come up, you have this like, reaction like, no, 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 that's not me. I don't want to do that. And still, I want to I wanna challenge you to receive what God has for you because sometimes the gift of grace shows up and says, don't operate how I've wired you. Operate outside of that, and I can empower you. My strength is made perfect in weakness, right? So we can get stuck and say, well, I'm a pastor teacher. I don't go out and do these crazy things. Like, I'm not free to say that. My job is to follow Jesus. Wherever he leads me, however he leads me, no matter how he's wired me, I follow Jesus. I'm just going to have an easier time in certain ways than some others in other ways. Does that make sense? It's a beautiful picture, I think, of needing each other. And then if we go back to Ephesians 4, it says that he gave to each one, he gave grace in the form of these uh, gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You are called to use what God gave you in the church. We're missing something if you're not. We're missing something if we're not all Leaning in and doing that. I want you to live out what God has put in you. I want you to discover it. And I want you to put it to work. Because I believe when you're operating the way God wired you. Like Crystal says, Jesus comes and he takes this heavy burden off. And he says, my yoke, he says, my burden. So he's putting another burden on, but it feels altogether different. It feels altogether different. Because he's saying, I wired you this way when you live this way, it doesn't feel burdensome. It feels like joy. And you get to share that with the church. You get to be a part of that with the church. It doesn't feel just like a big do, whether you spell that with one O or two. The vision series is about where we're going as a church. I want to be a church that follows Jesus. I want to be a church who makes disciples, who makes disciples. I want to be a church filled with people who can hear from God and respond to Him. I want to be a church that lives up with God, lives in with each other so much that it feels like family, and lives out with compassion toward the world around us. And I think we accomplish this as we, the church, do you want to go there together? Because I can stand up here and say, this is where we're going. And you can say, no, I ain't. That's a real question. When we talk about these things, does it stir something in you? Do you want it? Do you want to be that church? You're going to grow up into what Jesus has for us, into what he's growing in, into what's already present. Because these five gifts, they're already present. All we have to do is wake them up. All we have to do is cultivate them. All we have to do is step into it and say, God, you already put this in us. Let's live this out. Let's live this out. Do you want that? I want to put our energy into making disciples who make disciples, who follow Jesus and hear from Him. I want to live that together. In the coming weeks, we're going to put energy into forming groups who can start to do that together. Some groups are already uh, in the works, and if you're not in that yet, I want you to have an invitation. We'll do some sign-ups. If you already know, like, hey, these are my people I want to connect over here, that's great if you've got a good fit. If you're like, I don't know where I fit, but I'd love to jump in, we would love to help you get into a group that starts to get at some of this stuff, probably starting toward the fall. Like, well, let's take the summer and chew on this stuff and work at this stuff and get into a place where we can work this out together, following Jesus together. I want you to, I want you to take this next week and just the question, do I want to go there? Do I want what he's describing? I want what these last six weeks have aimed at doing imperfectly but, but passionately because I believe this is what God is doing and working in us as we walk forward together. If you want that, be ready to jump in. Here's another thing that I find awesome. We'll close here Will Let this lead us back into worship today. Jesus perfectly embodies every one of these five. Jesus is an apostle. God sent him into the world because he loved us so much. He sent his son, right? Jesus is a prophet. He said, I don't speak unless I hear the father speaking. He had this ability to hear and speak it out. Jesus is an evangelist. Like, he didn't just share the good news. He was the good news. He is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is a pastor. Like, he called himself the good shepherd. He tended and he cared for the people that God gave him. And Jesus is a teacher. He's often called rabbi. He's called teacher. And he taught with authority. When he spoke, people listened. No matter how God wired you, our model is Jesus. We look to Jesus and we imitate Jesus. We follow Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the trust. You built your church. You're still building your church. And you call us your church we we are one congregation here locally in the greater universal church of Jesus Christ throughout all the world throughout all the time you are still building your church and you said the gates of hell will not prevail against us if we really believe we are your church that's what that means Say the gates of hell won't prevail against your church. We are your church. And I pray, just like Paul prayed, that you'd help us to grow up, that we'd be strengthened with power, that we grow up into maturity, that each one of us would learn our identity and our hardwiring in you, and we'd use that to the building up, the strengthening, the equipping of us, your church. Would you help us to follow you? Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're called to oneness and peace. And we thank you that we're wired differently so that we can lean on each other and you'd be glorified. As we turn to communion now, Jesus, we thank you being our apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor and teacher and one who didn't use that to prop himself up but one who gave himself up. As we spend time reflecting on you this morning would you speak to us about who you are about how you love how you call us into you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.